Thanksgiving is right around the corner, but you already are thinking about Christmas, perhaps. And as you're making your gift list, we'd like to know what's the best Christmas present you've ever gotten. When I was a kid, my grandparents got my brother and I those push scooters that you put one foot on and you paddle with the other foot. And we spent all Christmas Day riding around their basement. We used those scooters literally as long as we could. For like six or seven years, we rode them everywhere. We replaced the wheels because we broke them. We got so many miles on those scooters. So that was probably the best Christmas present I've ever gotten. One of the best Christmas presents I was able to give was to my mother. We completely surprised her with a huge footlocker made of cedar wood. Now, believe it or not, we had to carry it in a U-Haul from Virginia, where we were living, to Chicago, where my parents live, and we hid it at my brother's house for months. And then, right before Christmas, we snuck it up to their loft and hid it behind a couch. She had no idea it was there, and she just absolutely loved it. When I was a kid, we had a dog that used to roam our neighborhood, and we loved him. He used to hang out with us. My dad actually approached the owner and asked if we could keep the dog, and the owner said, of course, no. But the dog disappeared for a couple months, and we missed seeing him, and it was very sad. But on Christmas Eve, he showed up, and it was almost as if he was saying goodbye to us because we never saw him again after that. But it was such a precious time, and we loved hanging out with this dog. I will always remember Nanook. Just like a fireplace can warm up your house in the winter, some gifts can really warm your heart during the holiday season. I'm John Fuller, and welcome to Season 3 of the Christmas Stories Podcast, as we talk about some of our favorite things of the season and listen to some wonderful stories to help you get into the Christmas spirit. Joining me are Lisa Anderson, who hosts The Boundless Show, Paul Batura is Vice President of Communications here at Focus, and Diane Angolia is our Guest Relations Manager extraordinaire. And now, since we're talking about gifts, let me know. Uh, you three, what do you think? What's a favorite, we won't say the favorite, but a favorite Christmas present? Our family went on a long kind of a field trip. My mother was in school and we had to go to Death Valley for this two week long digging out rocks and climbing over salt banks. So we had no Christmas tree at home. We had nothing. So we figured on Christmas morning, because we got back Christmas Eve, we would have nothing because there was no tree. There was no nothing. We were very resentful that my mother took us on this two-week field trip to Death Valley. And Christmas morning, we woke up, and they had surprised us. Hmm. And we actually had gifts, not under the tree, but under a card table. And to us, that was good enough. And I just never will forget that because it just made me realize what other children must be going through, Mm. that they would never be able to receive anything. And that's kind of how we felt that day. And it didn't really even matter what it was. That's good, Diane. Paul? uh, Yeah, I remember coming down the stairs one year, and there was a um, something kind of covered over, and it turned out it was a radio that was a combination radio, cassette player, actually had a phonograph well it was but it was kind of made to look old it was something i was about in the sixth grade and i loved listening to the radio and i loved listening to music more probably talk radio even back then and um it was something i could put in my room it was the first time i ever had any electronic device that was for me and me only and um i worked that thing to death (laughs) to where it literally (laughs) fell apart by the time i got out of college oh wow Uh, Lisa? I was in first grade. We had just moved to California. My parents had moved without jobs, and so we were dirt poor. And I remember at some point during our opening gifts uh, in the house we lived in, 
my mom said, Lisa, can you run into your brother's room and turn the lights out? I don't want the lights on in there. And so I went in and there was a bike there Mm -hmm. that, not a new bike, my dad had found it at the junkyard and Mm -hmm. refurbed it, Mm -hmm. but it had a new silver glitter banana seat on it (laughs) and a basket on the front with those plastic Mm -hmm. daisies on it, you know, bolted on and stuff. And I just thought it was the best thing ever. It looked new to me. Don't you wish you had that bike now? It would be worth something. Super awesome. Yeah. I think like Paul, uh, it would be a piece of electronics. I got a cassette recorder player, a little Panasonic thing with a one button to push for record mm-hmm. when I was in like nine or 10 years old. And I actually back then played radio station. I would talk <laughs> and put music on there. And somehow that paved the way for me to going into radio professionally. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to hear a radio drama now called Such As I Have, which was put together by our creative services team here at Focus on the Family. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was based on a true story, and it's going to encourage you to be thankful for any gift you receive this Christmas. This was our family's first Christmas in Minnesota, and the last place I wanted to be was in the hospital recovering from surgery. I wanted this Christmas to be memorable, but not in this way. For weeks, I had been ignoring the pain in my left side. But when it got worse, I saw the doctor. Gallstones, he said, peering at the x-rays. Enough to string a necklace. You'll need surgery right away. Despite my protests that this was a terrible time to be in the hospital, the gnawing pain in my side convinced me to go ahead with surgery. A thousand different Christmas preparations, baking, shopping, and decorating would just have to wait. I struggled to open my eyes after sleeping for the better part of two days following my surgery. As I became more alert, I looked around to what seemed like a Christmas floral shop. There were red poinsettias and other bouquets crowding the windowsill. A stack of Christmas cards waited to be opened. On the stand next to my bed stood a small tree decorated with ornaments my children had made. The shelf over the sink held a dozen red roses from my parents in Indiana and a Yule log with candles from our neighbor. I was overwhelmed with all the love and attention. Maybe being in the hospital around Christmas isn't so bad after all. My husband said that friends had brought meals to the family and offered to look after our four children. Outside my window, heavy snow was transforming our small town into a winter wonderland. Oh, the kids have to be loving this. I imagined them bundled in their snowsuits, building a backyard snowman, or skating at Garfield School on the outdoor ice rink. Would they include Adam, our handicapped son? At age five, he had just started walking independently and I worried about him getting around on the ice and snow with his thin ankles. Would anyone take him for a sled ride at school? More flowers! The nurse's voice startled me from my thoughts as she came into the room carrying a beautiful centerpiece. She handed me the card while she made room for the bouquet among the poinsettias on the windowsill. Well, hon, I guess we're going to have to send you home. We're out of space here. Okay with me. Oh, I almost forgot these. She took more cards from her pocket and put them on the tray. Before leaving the room, she pulled back the privacy curtain between the two beds. While I was reading my get-well cards, I heard, 
Yep, I like those flowers. I looked up to see the woman in the bed beside me push the curtain aside so she could see better. I like your flowers. They're pretty. My roommate was a small woman around 40 with short, curly hair who had Down syndrome. Her hospital gown hung untied around her neck. I, I wanted to tie it for her, but I was still connected to an IV. She stared at my flowers with childlike wonder. I'm Bonnie. What's your name? I am Ginger, she said, rolling her eyes towards the ceiling and pressing her lips together after she spoke. That's going to fix my foot. I'm going to have surgery tomorrow. Ginger and I talked until dinner time. She told me about the group home where she lived and how she wanted to get back for her Christmas party. She never mentioned a family, and I didn't ask. Every few minutes, she reminded me of her surgery scheduled for the next morning. Yep, doctor's going to fix my foot. That evening, I had several visitors, including my son Adam. Ginger chattered merrily to them, telling each about my pretty flowers. But mostly, she kept an eye on Adam. And later, after everyone left, Ginger repeated over and over, just as she had about my flowers. Yep, I like your Adam. The next morning, Ginger left for surgery, and the nurse came to help me take a short walk down the hall. It felt good to be on my feet. Soon, I was back in our room. As I walked through the door, the stark contrast between the two sides of the room hit me. Ginger's bed stood neatly made, waiting for her return. But she had no cards, no flowers, and no visitors. My side bloomed with flowers. And the stack of get well cards reminded me of just how much I was loved. No one sent Ginger flowers or a card. In fact, no one had called or visited her. Is this what it will be like for Adam one day? I quickly put the thought out of my mind. I know, I'll give her something of mine. I walked to the window and picked up the red candled centerpiece with holly sprigs. Oh, but this would look great on our Christmas dinner table. I set the piece back down. What about the poinsettias? Then I realized how much the deep red plants would brighten the entry of our turn-of-the-century home. And of course, I can't give away Mom and Dad's roses, knowing we won't see them for Christmas this year. The justifications kept coming. The flowers are beginning to wilt. This friend would be offended. I really could use this when I get home. I couldn't part with anything. Then I climbed back into bed, placating my guilt with the decision to call the hospital gift shop when it opened in the morning and ordered Ginger some flowers of her own. When Ginger returned from surgery, a candy striper brought her a small green Christmas wreath with a red bow. She hung it on the bare white wall above Ginger's bed. That evening, I had more visitors, and even though Ginger was recuperating from surgery, she greeted each one and proudly showed them her Christmas wreath. After breakfast the next morning, the nurse came in to give Ginger the news. Good morning, Ginger. Guess what? The van from the group home is coming to pick you up. I knew Ginger's short stay meant she would be home in time for her Christmas party. I was happy for her, but I felt my own personal guilt when I remembered the hospital gift shop would not open for two more hours. Once more, I looked around the room at my flowers, wondering if I could part with any of them. 
The nurse brought the wheelchair to Ginger's bedside. Ginger gathered her few personal belongings and pulled her coat from the hanger in the closet. I've really enjoyed getting to know you, Ginger. My words were sincere, but I felt guilty for not following through on my good intentions. The nurse helped Ginger with her coat and into the wheelchair. Then she removed the small wreath from the nail on the wall and handed it to her. They turned toward the door to leave when Ginger said, Wait! Ginger stood up from her wheelchair and hobbled slowly to my bedside. She reached her right hand forward and gently laid the small wreath in my lap. Merry Christmas, Bonnie. You're a nice lady. Then she gave me a big hug. Thank you, Ginger. I couldn't say anything more as she hobbled back to the chair and headed out the door. I looked at the small wreath in my hands. It was Ginger's only gift, and she gave it to me. I looked toward her bed. Once again, her side of the room was bare and empty. But as I heard the ping of the elevator doors closing behind her, I knew that she possessed much, much more than I. Well, that drama reminds me of the story in Luke chapter 21 of the widow who gave two small copper coins. And Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all she had to live on. And uh, this has also been a beautiful reminder of how we have so many reasons to be thankful and grateful during the holidays Lisa, I wonder if there's anything in particular that helps you keep that thankfulness uh, top of mind during the season. You know, it's weird, John, because I have actually, in thinking back, have had some pretty bad Christmases. You know, I've actually twice I've been dumped on Christmas. I'm single and, you know, in dating. I'm like, isn't that like statistically improbable? I would Breakups on Christmas Day? Where I was dumped. Wow. So I remember those as being bad. But two Christmases ago, my mom, my sister and I were all in the hospital at the same time for various reasons. And I remember my mom, after getting out, died shortly afterwards. And I remember thinking to myself, nothing is right. This is the end of Christmas as I know it. There's nothing good about, you know, how I'm going to constantly think back on this time. But I was also reminded, and even in thinking about this in recent days, that Christmas really is a reminder that I'm actually at the start of my story. And the fact that the story isn't done yet, this is just the beginning, and I'm actually living in an eternity that does not end and is all good. Mm -hmm. And I think that allows me to be hopeful despite the circumstances that I've walked through during Christmas. I appreciate that perspective, and I've always been grateful for your ability to kind of get up over the circumstances Mm -hmm. and just hold on to God and keep that uh, presence of Christ um, driving you through the difficulties. Well, we have a lot of resources to help you enjoy this holiday season at our website. Advent is coming soon, of course, and to help you get ready, we have an Adventures in Odyssey activity calendar with fun things you can do with your kids for each day of the Advent season. We also have a weekly activity calendar called A Season of Hope. And for these and other great gift ideas for your family, stop by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. And coming up next time on Christmas Stories, 
I'm really excited to speak to you about two different women in the Bible from different ages and different stages. They had a really unusual thing in common. They were both pregnant by surprise. Author Liz Curtis Higgs shares how you can be encouraged by the examples of Mary and Elizabeth in the Bible. For Paul Batura, Lisa Anderson, Diane Angolia, and all of us here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller thanking you for listening to the Focus on the Family Christmas Stories podcast.